Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. So we're going to talk about NFTs again. Non-fungible tokens, a really exciting space. And today, we're going to bring on the CEO of Crypto Chicks NFT. We got a real exciting show ahead of us, and we're going to learn more about NFTs. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. So we're going to bring on Alyssa Merkline, CEO of Crypto Chicks NFT out of San Francisco. Hey, Alyssa, real quick, what's the uh, website to get the, uh, the, the, the best info on all of this? The best info for CryptoChicks is pretty easy. It's just CryptoChicks.app. And uh, so glad to have you on the Gains podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Alyssa. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. I spoke last week live on the radio, uh, and I didn't get a chance to share this, but as you are in Chicago, I can't let this entire conversation go by without sharing that I grew up in Wisconsin, and I am right just a hop and a skip away is where I had my childhood from. Okay, <laughs> from well, you, you know, since it's a podcast and we can kind of delve into it, Wisconsin, uh, Kenosha, Madison, where, what, what are we talking? A suburb of Milwaukee. I'm shocked that you're so familiar with different locales within Wisconsin, but I love that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I actually... Sp- lived in Mount Horeb, which is in the uh, Madison area, and and just being from mm. Chicago, uh, spend a lot of time in Wisconsin. So now you're in uh, in the San Francisco area, the Bay Area, and before we, you know, delve into the details here, I know a lot of the Gaines audience is probably pretty familiar with NFTs. We've talked about it before on the podcast, but uh, for those newbies uh, that aren't familiar with NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Uh, Let's just start right there. What is an NFT? And then Alyssa, explain why why an NFT is different than crypto. Yes. NFT, non-fungible token, as you said, is basically an immutable proof within the blockchain that you own a specific asset. So for example, I might own an image of an ape and my image is completely unique, 100% different from the ape that you own. And if in this ideal world where we're both owning these $300,000 apes, if someone goes to take a screenshot or they just download the image of it, they own the picture, but they don't own the NFT. And so all of the benefits and the utility and the access to the community that comes with the actual NFT is stored on, on the blockchain as your proof of ownership. And so it eliminates a lot of these problems that have arisen in the art world, but even further than that, right? So NFTs aren't exclusive just to artwork and images. There's all sorts of other NFTs that might be uh, music, for example. Many of us remember early 2000 services like LimeWire. It was really easy for anyone to download a pirated copy of a, a track of music. And with NFTs, everything is stored in, in the blockchain. And so it's very easy to have really clear, tangible, or non-fungible proof of the fact that you own that specific asset. The reason it's different from crypto is because each individual asset that a person owns is unique. And so the asset that I own, the image, or theoretically a song that I may own, or a poem, or a piece of photography, is unique. And it's different based on the token ID within the blockchain from the image, or the song, or the piece of photography that you may own. Whereas if I own 
a Dogecoin or if I own a Bitcoin, it's no different from the Dogecoin or the Bitcoin that you own. And the other thing I think that's a little bit different from crypto NFTs is all of this utility that's built in beyond just the actual uh, a token ID that you own. So a lot of communities are, are using these tokens as membership passes to be able to partake in the vision that they're building. Well, can you mentioned communities are a really big part of that as well. I mean, yeah, a sheeb is a sheeb, like a doge is a doge is a doge, but your NFT for your specific image or rights to what whatever that is, is exclusive and single. So to start, let's use the Mona Lisa as an example. Oh, well, you know, just because I don't own the Mona Lisa, I can take a picture of it, and isn't that just as good? Uh, well, not really. And uh, Alyssa, I think, you know, explain. Yeah, yeah. So Mona Lisa, we know there's there's one and only. There's an official one. It's hanging in the museum. There's thousands upon thousands of people that go to look at that specific one every day. If you go to the museum, uh, you're, you're on your way out, you go to the gift shop, you can probably pick one up for like $20 or something along those lines. Right, just a poster but or you, picture in, in the gift shop, right? Right, exactly. So a, a representation of it, but not the original creation. And as you're buying that, maybe checking out with your credit card or something, you have no expectation that when you buy this for $20 today, this print or this poster, maybe it's on a phone case or something along those lines, you don't have any realistic expectation that you're going to be able to sell that for hundreds of millions of dollars because there's no proof of, and, and it's obvious that it's not the real original creation. And so that's just on the basis of, of proof of ownership as a whole. However, for example, if there was this exclusive community for people that own original artwork of the most expensive pieces of artwork in the world, you would also not have the expectation with this $20 poster that you have purchased that you would be able to attend those events, to be able to network with the other owners of the other representations of this artwork. And so there's a difference, kind of a difference there in type of membership access that you are getting as, as a part of owning the original asset through proof on the blockchain that it, it's a non-fungible token. So in this example, it's, it's very clear, and this is obviously a dramatic example because when we're looking at, at images online, it's not quite as clear cut and that's where smart contracts come into play. So if you see two images online, they visually look very similar. And it's not an oil painting compared to a, a digital print on a poster. And so for some people, right, there, there is a lot of speculation about what is the value here? What's the difference between these two assets? One was saved from a website versus one is actually a token living in the blockchain. And that's where a lot of communities are developing around how can we use these tokens as membership to build communities of like-minded people that have similarities in how they want to have impact in the world or how they want to see utility from a collection. So there are NFTs that are getting into the world of gaming. There are NFTs that are very exclusive communities holding very high-profile events um, at, at major tech conferences and things like that. And then there are communities that are specifically like crypto chicks that are focused on how can we create an inclusive space to help introduce more people into an industry that has historically sort of been a little bit exclusive for people like women. And so using that proof of originality as a way to have a membership pass into a community to then meet people and participate in an ecosystem that is aligned with, with you as an individual is really how I differentiate between what would be the original creation living on the blockchain or hanging in a museum in the Mona Lisa example compared to the print that you're going to walk out of the museum with. I think the community aspect of that is something that a lot of people who are new to this aren't familiar with. And, and you know, again, it's more than just a picture. Uh, you know, we've seen a, a lot of us who are familiar with some of the popular NFTs over the past couple of years. I mean, you got the bored apes and the crypto punks and cool cats. And uh, in fact, somebody I just recently saw a uh, tweet that said, I can't believe I just bought an NFT 
of a pile of dirt. But so anyway, it's just we've seen a lot of these examples out there. Let's specifically talk crypto chicks. It's a collection of NFTs. How many? Explain all of that. Yeah. So Crypto Chicks is a collection of 10,000 NFTs, and it's comprised of hundreds of different traits that are programmatically overlaid to create the final NFT. And what I love most about Crypto Chicks is the type of representation within those different traits. And so the collection is images of women, but with the combination of all of these traits, there's women of all sorts of different hair colors, styles, different types of clothing that they wear, different skin colors, different eye colors, different types of makeup, uh, different personalities, depending on what facial expression they have. And so in an industry that has been historically very predominantly male, and, and that means both representation within the artwork, but also the people that are operating within the industry, uh, it's one of the things that we find resonates the most with people as they're looking at different NFTs, looking at different collections as this is what would be the real representation of your identity in the metaverse, but also on social media. And so having for women, allowing women to find this space where they can find an NFT or a digital representation of themselves is, is super meaningful. It's one of the things that we hear the most from folks that they love that they've been able to find a profile picture or this NFT that actually looks like them. So one of, one of the things we've found the most exciting, we have a whole bunch of women that are posting their real life image that they call the Web 2 version versus the Web 3 version, which is their crypto check and how it, it looks very similar. And so that level of, of representation within the artwork is is something that I think is very unique to crypto checks. You, you mentioned there's 10,000 NFTs in the collection. So each one is a different image, crypto chick image. Have they all been minted? Are some more rare than others? Explain that. Yes. Yes. So the way that they have all been minted, first of all. And uh, real, real quick, Alyssa, explain that too, because I, I, I just for people who don't understand that, and we can move on to the other stuff. When you create a collection, how does that actually work? Um, you have the initial people who then go in and mint these, and then now all of these are available on the secondary market, like OpenSea, uh, Robinhood, some of these other platforms are going to be adding yep. uh, NFT markets too. Very exciting, by the way. But uh, explain minting and how that all works. And you, you mentioned all, all 10,000 of the NFTs in this Crypto Chicks collection have been minted, minted. Explain that real quick, and then we can talk about the other aspects of it. Yeah, so the way that minting works, we think about minting as sort of primary sales. So that's when a an individual or people that want to join the community are buying the NFT directly from the founders on their own website. Uh, it, it's kind of like if we think back to 2017, the ICO days, and or 2016, 2017. So it, it's when you're buying it for the first time, you are interacting with the smart contract directly in order to purchase a, an NFT and get this token back for the first time. And as soon as that happens, there's a, a limited number. So in our, in, in our case, there's 10,000. As soon as there are 10,000 of those purchased, there are no more to be purchased for the first time. And the only way that people can get them is buying them on the secondary market, such as OpenSea. So it, it's kind of like if we think about, um, let's use designer bags for an example. You can buy a bag from Chanel and you buy it in the 1990s. It's a vintage bag. You carry that around for a really long time. You love it, but you want to get something new, but you want to sell that. You would go on a platform like eBay and sell it to someone else. It's a peer-to-peer -peer trade and it's facilitated by a marketplace like eBay. So in this other instance that we're talking about with NFTs, it's a peer-to-peer -peer transaction where I'm an individual selling it to another individual, and OpenSea is the marketplace that facilitates that transaction. But the interesting thing is that it also facilitates a percentage of the transaction of all of these secondary sales to go back to the original founders. So if we think about it from the perspective of 
this designer bag, for example, if I'm selling this bag on eBay, a 2% of that transaction might go back to Chanel or whatever this brand is that we're using. And so that creates a a really long-term revenue tail for artists and creators that historically they get Uh, maybe a small amount up front, but then as their art gains more notoriety or popularity, the the price goes up, but it goes up in the secondary market where they are not necessarily attributed any of that revenue. But because it's on the blockchain, there's a percentage that's built in and they get a cut of every transaction going forward, correct? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, One thing real quick, I I find that very interesting and, and that can show how these things can be super valuable in the future, especially if you're part of a revenue sharing aspect of it. Is that built in the contract? How do you know how that, if, if that exists? It's, I'm just curious. I mean, I've, I've heard there's a cut in, but is it is there some kind of contract? How do you know that's there? Yeah, so it's actually done right now on the platform level. So okay. if you are the owner of the smart contract, you log into these platforms and there's an admin panel there where you set a specific percentage. So it's not something yet that's actually written directly into the smart contracts, but in the future, maybe that's another way to make it a little bit more transparent with the rest of the market, how these things are working. That information is available in in the smart contract, you you could find that if if you bought one of these, correct? You can find it on the different platforms. So if you're buying something on OpenSea, you would be able to see it on on OpenSea directly. What percentage is going in terms of an OpenSea platform fee, which is also included, Interesting. versus what percentage is going to the founders? A lot of people also ask me. Um, you mentioned that you know all ten thousand in your collection have already been minted. How do uh, individuals get access to these early collections, you know, or, you know, to a collection when it's early on, how, how does that work? Oh gosh, that's, that's a hard question because it right now it can be really competitive. So there's a lot of people in the NFT market. There, there's a different cohorts of people. Let's say that there's one cohort that is really heavily interested in buying at the minting phase very early on and then selling it pretty quickly thereafter for a profit. And so it's a really quick margin that they're after and people can be incredibly successful in that. But with that butters in mind, comes to mind. But- butters comes to mind from <laughs> South Park. Have you seen that episode? Yep. I just I had to throw that in there. That is just beautiful. All right, sorry to interrupt you, but I need you to get a, a, a chuckle out of there. And anybody in the Gaines Nation who has seen that South Park episode with Butters and NFTs uh, will get a chuckle out of that as well. Continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> so funny. Um, so so th- that is where we see a lot of competition in the market. For very high-profile projects that are launching, there is a lot of competition to get access to what people are now calling an allow list, which is basically wallets that are submitted to the team in advance of this minting process starting. And those people get preferential access to buy the NFT from the collection. And there's a lot of different ways that collections are granting access to that allow list, but a lot of them are very time intensive. They might require you being a member of a different NFT collection who has put together a collaboration. Um, It it can be very hard for the high profile projects that are launching to actually get access to that. And then when it opens up into a public sale, which is when anyone can mint from it, there's an incredible number of bots that people have set up that will programmatically write to the smart contract in order to buy NFTs in a way that's much faster than a human can click a button, for example, to actually purchase it manually. And so you find that the prices and transaction fees for some of these public sales far exceed the cost of the NFT itself, simply because there's so much demand hitting the Ethereum network at the same time as everyone's trying to buy a specific collection within one instant or under one minute, for example. So it's pretty challenging and it requires a lot of time investment. I'll be candid. A lot of time spent on Twitter, a lot of time spent in various different project discords. And I've found that usually there are communities that have 
similar ethos or a similar mission, and they will set up partnerships or collaborations. And that's usually the best bet to get into any of these really high profile that are upcoming. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to delve into Crypto Chicks NFTs, and we're going to talk about utility, access, all of that with Alyssa here. But hey, real quick, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. I've been told that's podcast gold. And then as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. And we will be right back. If you enjoy learning about communities, culture, and history, then Shades of the City podcast is for you. We will bring you stories like the legacy of Johnson Publishing Company, most notably known for Jet and Ebony magazines. Basically what the world said African-American people could not do, these magazines proved otherwise. Subscribe now to Shades of the City on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, we're back with Alyssa Merkline, CEO of Crypto Chicks NFT out of San Francisco. Any other plugs you want to give us, Alyssa? Yes, our, our website is, is pretty simple. It's CryptoChicks.app. Our Twitter is where a lot more of the fun happens. It's also pretty easy to remember. It's just NFT Crypto Chicks, all one word, no lower cases or, or no underscores or anything like that. But uh, for people that are new to the NFT world, I really recommend Twitter as a great resource to find thought leaders, to find collections and projects that you are really excited about the community. The vast majority of, of activity and learnings to be had are, are happening in the Twitter world. So that's a really good place to get started. All right. Outstanding. Now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, were you a collegiate athlete, maybe a swimmer or something like that? I was. I was, as a matter of fact. All right. Very cool. Where did you go to school? Uh, you were a swimmer. And let's just take off from, like, how did a, a collegiate swimmer end up uh, being the CEO of uh, Crypto Chicks NFT? Yeah, good question. So I, uh, I swam competitively my whole life. I started when I was five years old. And when I went to college, I went to Carnegie Mellon for my undergraduate degree, and I decided to continue swimming during my time there. Um, I was also a double major in business and statistics. And so through my degree in statistics, I've always been incredibly fascinated by financial markets, by probability, and understanding all of these market dynamics at play. 
Uh, after I graduated from my undergraduate degree, I moved out to San Francisco and, and started my career working for Visa, a big, big tech company, obviously very heavily involved in payments, which is an industry that, in my opinion, is going to be heavily disrupted by blockchain. And through my time working there, that's how I really got involved in investing in altcoins, investing in different types of cryptocurrency, because as you learn more and more about how the payments world works, you learn more and more about the inefficiencies and the number of middlemen or middle persons that interact with any online transaction or peer-to-peer -peer payment or basically any transfer of money from point A to point B. And so the level of, of inefficiency, but also the amount of people that are taking little tiny cuts throughout each of those is, is fascinating, but also a really strong case for what blockchain will do from an overall global equity and financial inclusion perspective. So I started investing in a bunch of different crypto altcoins. Uh, that, that was really your entry. Involved. That was your entry into this, right? Crypto. It all starts with crypto, right? It does. It does. It does. I was actually in, in the Bitcoin club also in my university, but that was way back in like 2012. So I, I wasn't heavily investing at that time. I should have. Though. Don't you wish you were? I have a lot of regrets. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Did you get in on the Doge thing last year? Did you get in on Sheeb uh, this past fall? I'm just curious. I got in on Doge. I didn't nice. get in on Sheeb. I got a little bit burned on Doge, I'll admit. I, I bought some. I bought some early. I didn't buy enough. And then when word came out that Elon was going on SNL and there was a lot of speculation about what he was going to say on SNL, I thought, you know, I'm going to go all, not all in, but I'm going to put it in a, a bit. You thought it was going to go to a dollar during SNL, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> exactly. And I think I, I bought it at like 50 cents or something, thinking it was going to go up to a dollar. And I didn't put in enough to get seriously burned, right. but enough to, to remember and, and realize that some of the, the meme coins can go in ways that you don't expect. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I know a lot of people who got in at a nickel as did I got in at a nickel and rode that 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 up, but didn't get out nearly as as soon as I should have. You know, it's not a bad investment, but uh, yeah, that's and, and these things are volatile. But everybody I've talked to who's been in this space, it's always you know you started getting a little in with uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Next thing you know, you're doing a degenerate trade like uh, Doge, and then before you know it, you're on Uni swaps you know, get sheep or some other alt, real far altcoin. So then you kind of dabbled in the crypto and uh, not surprised. I was in foreign exchange a million years ago. Not surprised you were in, in payments and, and familiar with, uh, you, you know, if you're, if you're familiar with international transactions, you see the value in crypto right away. Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting that, uh, you know, your taste of all of this is crypto. Then th then how did you then get to the NFT aspect of it and, and decide to then put together this collection? Yeah. So then I after working at Visa, I realized I don't love big companies. I think Visa is a really exciting company in terms of market dominance and their, their stature within the world. But I really like building things and being a part of creating something and, and having a lot of impact. And so I left my role at Visa and joined a very early stage startup uh, that ha was pre-revenue uh, before they raised their, their seed round of funding and was one of the very, very early employees. And I led business operations there, reporting to the CEO for just about four years. And with that, I was a part of growing the company to roughly like 130 employees across 10 different countries. And that was my first flavor of building something, really feeling like, okay, you can start with nothing. And then you do a lot of pivots and figure out what does the market want and how can we as a company solve that problem in a way that creates and captures value. And so I, after being there for four years, felt like the company was at a point where it was more optimization as opposed to building something new. And so I left to go start something on my own. And right around that time, I started investing in the NFT space from purely a, a collector standpoint. And I had some ETH that I had made quite a few gains on since investing when it was around like $75 or so. 
And, and at that time, ETH was around like 4,000, 4,500. And so I thought, hey, you know what? Why not buy some nice images with this? And I had some friends talking about NFTs, and I thought this might be interesting. It seems like it's gaining a lot of momentum and traction within more of the, the popular media. And so I, I started investing in the sort of gender ambiguous profile pictures of animals. And I found, at least my personal experience, was that if you don't have a profile picture that signals to people what your gender is, everyone assumes that you are a man. So I am, am a chatty person. So I'm sitting there talking to people on Discord half of the day. And at least 10 times a day, people were saying, my dude, my guy, hey, man. And so I'd have to constantly be correcting people. And I then learned about CryptoChicks. So I actually am not the founder of CryptoChicks. I joined first as a community member, and I invested in the collection because I thought, hey, this is the first chance I've seen for me to buy an NFT that actually looks like me. I'm sick of people calling me a dude, and here is a chance for me to have a woman with a similar skin tone to me. She has blonde hair that's the same hair color as me, uh, wears similar clothing, and then as I go and interact with people online, they get a sense for what my real-life identity is. And so I joined first as a community member, and I really felt like CryptoChicks was in a, a super unique position where they had launched. There was a lot of momentum about the artwork, but not a lot of clear understanding yet of how to build and scale this into a business. And since that's where I have a pretty good amount of professional expertise, I thought this is my chance to get involved in a way that's very closely aligned with what I'm personally very passionate about and help them to steer crypto chicks in a way that's building it more like a business and a company as opposed to a passion project. And so I got involved first uh, leading communications, and then I joined as a chief marketing officer. And then very recently with the founding team stepping aside, I actually, with uh, another member, purchased the collection and became the CEO. Oh, very interesting. It's been quite a ride. Who who was the original artist? I'm just curious. The founding team is brother and sister who are out of Russia. They're very, very young and uh, really just passionate about the space and wanted they, – they launched the initial collection, uh, gosh, like 10 months ago, and they thought to themselves, hey, there's not a lot of representation in this industry for women, and we want to make a statement on that. And so they created a first initial collection that was 200 pieces, and then later they, they launched this 10K generative collection. And so they, um, with that, they were super passionate about the art blockchain technology, but weren't so passionate about the how do we build this into a business and the day-to-day -day operational complexity. I, I completely that understand that. that. Yeah, you, you, you can completely understand. Just because you invent something, you're a great artist, doesn't mean that you can monetize it, make turn it into a successful business. You had a, a you know, became part of the community. Seems like you have a bit of passion for this. This is where you took over. Yep, yeah, exactly. So now let's talk about Utility and access. Um, uh, real quick, that the the initial two hundred uh, crypto chicks, that first first edition, do they exist? Are they on the open market? Uh, I'm just curious, what happens to those? Are they part of that the ten thousand collection? Are they separate? Are they worth more? Yes, they do exist. They are separate. Uh, it's two hundred pieces. They're also only available on the secondary markets right now on OpenSea, and they are more expensive because there's only two hundred of them. So they are in the magnitude of seven Ethereum right now, which is roughly around twenty one thousand dollars right, for right. an entry point. So scarcity is a big thing in the world of NFTs, and when there's far less of something, that supply and demand, that drives the price up. All right, now let's talk about utility and access, and I think that's something that's a little different. So we know that, uh, you know, in a, a lot of cases when we talk NFTs, it's a, it's a particular image, but there's this whole community behind it, and sometimes ownership of that NFT gives you access to maybe that community's party or something else. So I think this is the most interesting thing. You know, a lot of people who just scratch the surface on NFTs, they see, you know, you have rights and ownership of a particular 
image and that image that you might use in the metaverse. But there's so much more to this, this community and utility and access. And I think that's the most important part that a lot of people aren't familiar with if they're new to this. I, explain, Alyssa. Yeah. So one of the big things about NFTs as a whole is communities and people who haven't really dipped their toe yet into the space don't quite have exposure to that level of community from what I've seen. And so people that do enter the market, they're, they're kind of blown away, right? If you buy a crypto check NFT and you change your profile picture on Twitter, you're going to get flooded with people that are following you. They're liking your posts. They're commenting saying, welcome to the community. So you're saying like, if you, if you bought a crypto check and then you put that image on your Twitter account and said, Hey, I I just bought, just bought a crypto check NFT in OpenSea. Here it is. People in the community are going to get excited about that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think what is that's kind of the tip of the iceberg. That's what you see from a public-facing perspective about community, but it also goes a lot deeper. So the crypto chicks, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is having a really inclusive, but also a really active community. We know that women as a whole are a little bit more risk-averse with investments, and they like to be more mission-oriented or have some sort of social impact with the way that they're investing. And we know on a whole, right, that my favorite study to quote from Gemini says 26% of, of the traders on their platform in crypto, they've, they've also surveyed a bunch of people. And they know that 53% of people out there that are, quote unquote, crypto curious are women, which means there are a lot of women that want to enter this space, but that are not yet in this space, but are curious about doing so. And communities is one of the things that really drives this adoption because people feel like, okay, here's a safe space where I can ask a bunch of questions about security, about how not to get scammed, about what are other things that people are interested in, and really building these interpersonal connections in a way that hasn't quite been facilitated yet to date. So we've found that community and access to, as you said, events that are both in real life, but also virtual events. So having events in metaverse where people from all around the world can start to meet each other and build connections with people from all sorts of different cultures and backgrounds and different professions and domains of expertise. And and that's something that for, for women who care a little more about the mission impact of their investments or what are they getting beyond just the financial returns, that starts to be incredibly interesting as an entry point into a market that is otherwise traditionally kind of portrayed in social media as scary or incredibly volatile and risky. And as we start um, creating more of this understanding within the market that there are collections that are doing a lot of social good, but also creating very strong networks and communities that translate into physical or in real life benefits through uh, events, through professional connections, that starts to get a little bit more interesting for people. I mean, there's so many collections, wolves, apes, crypto chicks, you know, the whole nine yards. What's your advice for somebody who's new to the space, how to sort through this? Where, where, how do you pick which one you want to get into? I, there's a ton out there. And, and I see, uh, you know, even in I, this is something I watch in Twitter, and that's a great, you had mentioned Twitter's a great place to follow a lot of this. It, it certainly is. And I'm constantly seeing new collections put together, but it just seems very difficult on, you know, what collection should I choose? How, how, how does that all work? Yeah, so I, I recommend to people to get a Twitter, get a Discord account, and spend like two weeks just trying to figure out who are the people that you want to follow, who can you learn a lot from in a way that doesn't seem incredibly promotional or aligned with one particular project and try to learn as much as pe- as much as you can before actually spending any money. And the reason I say this is because from my own personal experience, I my first 
time I got on Twitter, I started reading about NFTs. Someone was talking about this new collection that had just launched. It was going to be the next Board Ape Yacht Club, and it was going to be huge. And I thought to myself, well, of course, why would I not want to buy that? And so I did without doing much research. And then now I have a very cute image of a raccoon sitting in my profile that is worth approximately zero dollars. And so there's a lot of information flowing on these social media platforms. And it's really important to find people who are true thought leaders that will give you good advice and, and learnings within the market without getting caught up in all of these other market principles like FOMO that are so strong. So that's one of my big recommendations. The other thing is that I really recommend people find a project and a vision and a team that they're really excited about building for the next few years. So there's usually when a project launches, they have, or when they're planning to launch, they have a website. On that website, they should have pretty clear information about this is the team, this is their professional background before what they're doing now, and then this is the roadmap of all of the milestones and deliverables that they are promising to do once they take in all of these funds. And I, I really recommend that people have a deep think about is this team qualified to be doing the things that they say that they're going to be doing in this roadmap? And is it a team that you really see doing this for a long term, like one year, two years, three years, four years, and, and beyond that? Or is this something that it feels like they're really looking to make a, a quick buck here and then move on to the next thing? Just because, unfortunately, there is a good amount of that in the market. But oh, you if know you start it. to take a closer look, <laughs> if you start to take a closer look, you can kind of see which ones that are versus which ones are, are people that are reputable people that have their LinkedIn links. They have a really clear bio of this is who I am. So I'm not going anywhere, for example. You know, there are some that are just in it for the money, the quick turnaround. We were talking about butters earlier. Uh, but then there's community. And, uh, you know, let's talk about crypto chicks. Talk about that community. Talk about the long-term vision. You're not going to be around for a year or two. It's going to be a lot longer. It sounds like you, you really want to build something here. Explain that. Yeah, so we want to be the brand that is the central nexus for all things related to empowering women within Web3. So there's a bunch of different roles that women and underrepresented groups can have in the Web3 industry in various different formats. You can be engineers, you can be artists, but you can also be fashion designers, you can be project founders, you can be investors. And so we are creating all of these various initiatives that will help to empower and enable women in all of these different spheres to be a part of the, the building of Web3. And with that, each of the holders of the CryptoChicks NFT gets exclusive access to the various different initiatives that we'll be creating. So, for example, there's a lot of combination right now between uh, what does real-world fashion look like with what we inevitably know is coming in the future, which is the metaverse, and how can we translate this concept of buying clothing or buying digital digital assets with each other. So for example, one of the, the projects that we'll be launching is empowerment of emerging fashion designers or jewelry designers that sell physical goods and tying that physical good with the wearable version of it. So when an individual buys the, say, for example, a necklace, they will also, in addition to having that necklace shipped to their home, they'll get a metaverse wearable version of that where if they're going to events, if they're going to uh, like a, a networking seminar or a party, they would be able to wear those assets in the metaverse just as they would in real life. So, I mean, that's just one example, but we're really looking for creative ways that we can empower women and our community is also passionate about this mission. And I'm, I'm really proud to say that CryptoChicks is not a community that's just for women. We have roughly 50% men within our community. And so we wholeheartedly understand that the vast majority of the crypto and Web3 space is people who identify as men. And having those men that are passionate about creating space to uplift and empower women within the space is really important to us. And so just to get it out there that there's a lot of misconception that 
a project that's focused on empowering women might be exclusive to just only women, but we have tons of men within our community and they're some of our most passionate and engaged community members. So I, I think that's important to call out when we talk about community, that it really is something that's inclusive to everyone who's excited about this mission of empowering women within the Web3 space. You know, I'm curious, what's your favorite apparel brand? What do you like? I, I like a lot of labels. I like everything ranging from very high end. I would say Prada is like my dream bag company. Nice, but then nice. I'm also a big fan of some of the, the, the newer startups that are coming out that are sustainable sourcing or they're doing no labels branding of luxury goods. There's a new company called Italic that does that. Um, Everlane is another company that does a lot of transparency on the supply chain and the sourcing of the materials that they use. And so their cost, they do a, a cost plus model where it's very clear uh, transparency into the purchasing price of each of the materials that go into their goods. So lots of different companies out there um, that I'm passionate about, but the high-end luxury one would be Prada if I have to pick. Nice. Yeah. You know, like I'm a Lacoste fan, and so you're saying, like, if I went and bought a, a new Lacoste shirt that I, I purchased, if there was a connection to the NFT, that might mean that I would, you know, I'm just using this as an example, um, that means that, that maybe that shirt's version would also be available available on the metaverse, correct? I mean, that's kind of... Exactly. Right, if you if you partnered. Another one I like, you know, hanging out with the boys, I'm, you know, I'd be throwing down some Stone Island. So it's good to see some <laughs> of these brands making their way from the real world also on the metaverse. And if you buy, you know, a, a shirt or a label or or some kind of product, having it, uh, you know, being able to wear your drip also on the, in the metaverse is, is pretty cool too. Um, give us some other examples. I, I really, I, and I, this is the kind of utility and, and some of the things that I think people aren't familiar with. I mean, talk about that community. I like this you know, mentioning, you know, this tie to a brands and apparel, what are, what are, give me one other good example, maybe something that isn't even implemented yet that you see uh, in the future, a vision. Yeah. So another big thing that we have been talking a lot about is kind of exactly what you just outlined partnerships with big brands where people are very familiar with the products that they're offering. And this brand is interested in entering Web3, but doesn't really quite have an understanding of how to do so. And so there's a few different ways that we explore those partnerships in a way that creates value for our community. So it could be very simple, like discount codes, but it could go so far as to jointly creating NFTs that are branded with that particular brand or exclusive access to events in real life that might be only if you are a holder of this specific NFT, will you have access to attend that event. And that's really exciting because we have a lot of brands that we're in conversations with that are excited about entering this space because they understand it's the future. Right. It's been talked a lot about by leaders of major tech companies that they view the workforce in the future as potentially being fully remote, which would mean everyone's doing meetings in something like the metaverse as they're going to conferences, going to business meetings. And so a lot of brands are thinking now about, okay, there's a whole new world that we can establish our brand identity within. And how do we do that? And so at CryptoChicks, we want, number one, to be able to partner with these brands that are aligned with ours in terms of are they about supporting and empowering women. But number two, position those partnerships in a way that really creates unique value back for our community. That's one of the things that we're always thinking about is utility. And so I mentioned events, for example. We, upcoming in, in a few months, will be attending NFT NYC. I'll be speaking at one of the one of the one of the events there. And but we're also holding an event for our holders. And so we're talking right now with a few different brands that might be sponsors for that event and have some exclusive benefits for people who are holders of the NFT. So it starts to get into the NFTs are your membership pass to an, ex an exclusive community that has all of these different types of benefits. And the reason that's important is that different people define utility depending on what matters to them. So some people really just care about an increase in the financial value of their investment. But other people have spent 
the past two years sitting at home alone because of the pandemic. And they really love the interpersonal connections and the relationships that they've been able to build with people from all around the world. Other people are really excited and passionate about the fashion space and getting into into the domain of partnerships with major brands. Other people are passionate about how can we empower and uplift women within this space who want to be entrepreneurs, they want to launch projects, they want to uh, create something entirely new within this industry. How can we empower, uplift, and provide them with the resources that they need in order to be successful? So we try to build in a lot of different ways that people can get value from holding a crypto chick NFT just because we understand that we have a diverse community and the way that people define value and and compare value of one NFT collection to another might be different. And so we try to build a good amount of diversity for how we're giving back to our community into that strategy. Will you expand the collection? Will there be another round? Uh, you know, the the uh, Crypto Chicks uh, NFT, you mentioned there's 10,000. Is there a Crypto Chicks NFT 2.0? I, I mean, how does that work? Um, or, or, or is it often when that initial collection's done, that's done, you have a community around it? Uh, how, I mean, is there expansion here, I guess? Yes. So good question. We are actually planning to launch a new collection on top of our existing 10,000 piece collection and different collections will, will approach this differently depending on what their goal is and what their strategy is. For us, we are giving, um, we're using this as an opportunity to expand our ecosystem. So right now there's 10,000 crypto chicks, which means that there can inherently only ever be 10,000 people that are a part of the crypto chicks community, which right. we feel is too small. We want to have much more impact than that. And, and that's so if they each own just one. I'm sure that there are a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of uh, crypto chicks holders have more than just one F NFT, just knowing how these communities are as well. Exactly. Right. We have a bunch, we have a bunch of people who have bought multiple and are holding multiple. So for example, uh, there's quite a few men within the, the community that have bought a crypto check that looks like their wife, but then three more that looks like each one of their daughters. And so oh, cool. there, there are less than 10,000 holders. We have around 4,500 holders, and you want to average people hold too. And you want to expand that community. So it just makes sense that you would have to, because you want to expand this community. So, so we say the average is there's 10,000 in the collection and say there's an average of say that it's two. So now you only have five, thousand in the community you probably maybe want a hundred thousand so do you get that by adding is that how you, you get a, a bigger base is by adding collections and that kind of thing so it, it's a fine line to walk because there also is the concept of dilution where you're creating right. too much and then people aren't as excited to buy any one of them right. and so th there's a fine line to walk there i think usually collections can get by with launching 10,000 more or maybe if it's a if it's a huge collection maybe you can get by with launching 20,000 more uh, but getting to the magnitude of 100,000 if you want to really create a lot of utility for each of those holders can be challenging i'm not saying it can't be done i'm just saying it can be challenging to pull off so we're we're not thinking anywhere close to 100,000 because 000. yeah because yeah, because when you think about that when it stops becoming special, that that's not good at all either. Uh, you know, I know we've covered a lot of ground today, and it's really been great talking to you. You know, as we wrap up today's Gains podcast, I'm going to bring you on again, definitely when you're if you when you're uh, going to launch another line or you have some big mm -hmm. development. Definitely want to bring you on. This has been a fascinating uh, conversation, and we definitely want to expand the the people who are in and in to NFT. So as we wrap up the gains uh, discussion today about all of this, what's your takeaway? What's your parting uh, shots here? Parting shots are that there are tons of collections out there and it's important to find a community and a network of people that you feel really resonates with you. The, the, the highest success that at least I have seen and, and many of the people that I know have seen in the NFT market is by buying and investing in projects that you have really high conviction in based on the leadership team or the vision and the mission that they are building. So anyone who is not currently in NFTs that's thinking about it and wants to join, that's my, my biggest recommendation is try not to go chasing hype, but really have a deep think about 
what is the project that you are investing? What are they trying to achieve in the world? Why is that measurably different from other collections? And then is this something that you really see being successful one, two years from now? And then if, if you're investing with those principles, and I think that's why we've had great success with the Crypto Chicks community, because we have been able to find people that are really aligned with what we're building, that's, that's the best way to find success and also operate in the NFT space in a way that's a little bit safer and less subject to a lot of the volatility and, and risk that I think is kind of scaring people away a little bit right now. You said Twitter is a valuable resource for all of this. Give me your top five Twitter accounts that to follow that, I you know, as soon as I'm done listening to the Gaines podcast today, I'm going to go over to Twitter and I'm going to start following these five. Give me five. Five is hard. I, I follow, I think I follow like 1,500 people. Right. And the reason I'm, this is a non-answer to your question, but I'm, I'm going to do this, is I think there's a lot of different people and a lot of diverse minds in this industry. And it's important to follow a ton of different people that will give you different perspectives on things. So for example, there, there's a lot of influencers who have a huge following, people like Gary Vee, for example, um, in, incredible man, a huge visionary in the market. But if you follow just Gary Vee, you'll only learn about the projects that Gary Vee is interested in. And there's a lot of other different people that have other projects that they're interested in as well. And so I find that I get the most insights from people who have like 100 followers on Twitter that are talking about something they're so deeply passionate about. And so that's why I, it's, it's a non-answer to your question, but I would just recommend that people go searching for those hidden gems of, of really small following people that are just dropping knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb. Well, you got to at least give us your Twitter handle. Yes. Yeah. My Twitter is, is at NFTs underscore girl. All right, so we'll we'll definitely add that. And um, the final thing as we wrap up today, is there a book, a website, a, a go-to source where somebody can just kind of get their beak whacked, learn a little bit more about this? Where, for, for the newbies out there, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a website, where do you start? Give us one place where we can go right after this podcast and start our journey. Yeah, my recommendation would be on YouTube, actually, I have found that the visual and auditory combination of YouTube is really helpful for people that that's the way that they can absorb information. Um, I think Gary V. sorry, this is the second time I've mentioned Gary V. but yeah, who is that? Fan. Who is Gary V? You know, I, I think a lot of us are familiar with him. Um, but 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 explain Gary V real quick. Gary V is kind of a pioneer in the NFT space. He's someone who, has been he, he's uh, the CEO of Vayner Media, which is a big media and communications company. But he's also very, very actively involved in the NFT space and has been talking a lot about this for years. And so, more frequently than anyone else, if I am, am talking to someone and I'm asking, "How did you get into the NFT space?" The vast majority of people will say, "I actually." was watching this YouTube video from Gary Vee, or I saw Gary Vee on TikTok. And he was saying, this is the future. If you do anything today, do this. Look up NFTs, understand what the technology is, because this is going to change the world. And so I think for a lot of people in the industry, he's had major influence on them, myself included. And so I, I recommend for bite-sized content, but also really clear and easy to understand explanations of how the NFT industry works. He's a great person to check out. All right, Alyssa. Well, hey, thanks again. It was a great conversation. Like I said, we'll have you back on and, uh, you know, we learned a ton today and it's a really interesting space. And, and I think even a lot of things about this haven't even been created yet. Haven't even some of the utility hasn't even been thought of yet for NFTs. And again, a big thanks to Alyssa Merkline, CEO of Crypto Chicks NFT out of San Francisco. And as always, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday and Friday mornings. So thanks for listening, and we will see you on Friday. 
A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 